Welcome back, everybody. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Sylvester Inspires Beliefcast. And I'm so excited once again to have an amazing guest, Ms. Julie Clough. Welcome. Thank you. Glad yeah. to be here. Yeah. Thanks for uh, taking the time out of your busy day. Um, before we get into uh, Julie's story, um, I need to thank our sponsor, Veracity Networks, and my good friend Drew Peterson for his support in that. And uh, um, it's been so wonderful because it's really helped get the word out and and uh, we're trending and we're, we're booming. So thank you listeners. And um, you're going to want to share this story as well, because this is going to be, you know, at times uh, tear jerking, but also inspiring at the same time and helping others that might be struggling. So, so excited. So a little bit about Julie. Um, she's a full-time entrepreneur. Um, she's also a podcaster. She's a hope giver. She calls herself that a life coach and a grief recovery specialist, which we'll get more into. Um, you know, Julie, uh, had lost two children in a car accident, uh, on mother's day of all days. And we're going to get into that. She also lost a brother to suicide when she was younger, which we'll talk to as well. And, and again, you know, it's just always fascinates me, these people that I've had on my uh, podcast and just what they've been through and how they've overcome it. And it's so cool to see Julie that you have taken this tragic event and some of these other tragedies and turn it into helping yourself, but also giving back and helping other people. So I'm excited to, for, to hear that whole story. Um, uh, you have uh, six children total. Is that correct? Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. And uh, you're married. Um, and his name is Ron. Ron. So <laughs> shout out to Ron. How you doing, Ron? Um, anyway, so let's get into it. So give us a little background. Where did you grow up and a little bit about your family? Yeah, I grew up in Clearwater, Florida, and it was a pretty idealistic childhood. Um, living near the beach, and uh, right. yeah, it was it was a it was a beautiful place to be. I'm actually third generation Floridian, and my children oh, are wow. fourth generation. So we right we've on. been in Florida for a long time. Yeah, my yeah. mom was from the from northern Florida. My dad was from the east coast of Florida, and I grew up in Clearwater on the west coast of Florida. West coast, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. It, water's warm, I'm assuming, down there? Water is, is so warm. In yeah. fact, I have to tell you a funny story. When I went to, I went from Florida to BYU to go to school, okay, and Brigham Young University. And when, when I got out there, my second year, I was in an apartment complex that had a pool. And I went out to go get in the pool. It was August, and I thought, oh, this will be fun. And I saw all these people sitting on the sidelines, and, <laughs> and I went up to the pool like I always do, and I just jumped in, and I came up going, <gasps> Yeah, <laughs> I was right. like, I, I had no idea. Like, I was from Florida. Pools are always warm. <laughs> yeah, they are. Yeah, here they're always cold. They're always cold. Uh, they don't seem cold to us if you've been here a while because yeah. they're just used to it. But you know, the reason why I bring that up is um, – I went. Uh, I was in Miami for a for a development retreat uh, for some training, and I remember I was expecting the ocean to be cold. And I get it. I was like, "Boy, this is warm. It's so warm. It's amazing." Yeah. I was like, "A lot different from the you know the the Pacific coast, right?" Yeah, I've lived in the South most of my life. I've been in Utah for um, uh, three and a half years. For three okay. and a half years. So. So tell us a little bit about growing up. Uh, you know how what life looked like for you, and you know some of the things that you learned, and maybe some of the things you had gone through as well. Well, I'm the oldest, so that explains a lot right there. <laughs> I'm the oldest of four. I had oh. twin brothers, and my sister. When the when my brothers were born. I turned four five days later, and my sister was two and a half. So lots okay. of 
kids really close together. Um, so we were, we were close, we were close and, and, um, and it was, it was, uh, it was a good, it was a good upbringing. I mean, I just, right. um, my, unfortunately my dad had come from some pretty difficult circumstances. And so that wasn't ideal. And there were some, some issues that came up because of that, but, but, Otherwise, it was it was pretty typical. I right. I learned to play the piano. I was in the band. I I played the <laughs> piano for the for the pop choir and things like oh, that. Really? So yeah, a lot oh, of right fun. On. Yeah, very cool. Um, was it hard um, at times being the oldest? You know, because sometimes a lot is expected of the oldest. Like be the example and <laughs> show the kids the way. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Yeah, I definitely felt that, and I think. Well, like I said, I turned four five days after my twin brothers were born, and okay. my parents are from the generation where the mom does everything, and and so then that just transferred down to me. So I had to grow up pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you had to help out, right? I did. Yeah. I did. And then I, as a teenager, I went to work working for my dad. He was um, he was an engineer, but he changed careers when I was in high school. And became a State Farm insurance agent, okay. and so I started working in his office when I was uh, old enough. When I was sixteen, actually, wow. I think I started when I was fourteen. Right, filing papers and sure, things like yeah. that, helping so, out around. That's yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So you know, as you grow up there, um, you know, let's talk a little bit about what did high school look like for you, and and what were some of the maybe the things you had gone through during high school, good or bad, I guess. High school was 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 actually not too bad. I, I do remember feeling on the outside of things a lot. I actually wanted to graduate early. Uh, my parents weren't really for that, so I ended up taking like a half a load my senior year because I had enough credits. Right. Uh, so I just, I, I was engaged in in band for a short time, but then my my attention went to choir and mostly playing the piano for choir. Um, I, I wish that I had played basketball when I was in uh-huh. junior high and starting in high school, they, they asked me to, to join the team to try out and I just didn't have the confidence to do it. And oh, so that's really? one of my regrets is that I didn't, didn't yeah. do that. I really enjoy sports. I play competitive tennis now and oh, things okay. like that. So I yeah. wish that I had pursued that, but mostly it was music. Yeah. So, but you were really confident when it came to being in the band and all that, correct? Yeah. 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 It's interesting how we can be confident in one area and maybe not so much in another. Yeah. And I guess that's pretty typical that's of all true. of us growing up. That's true. And my brothers were very athletic. They were they were both baseball players and they played basketball and they were yeah, very athletic, very smart. <laughs> right. So so you after you graduate from high school, what what were the plans that at that point what were you going to do and what did you do? So when, when I graduated from high school, I then went to Brigham Young University uh, here in Utah in Provo. And I was there for a couple of years. And interestingly, what happened is I graduated from high school with, in honor, with honors. Okay. Um, and then I came out to college and every semester my grades got lower and lower and lower and we couldn't figure out what was going on. And I was exhibiting some strange behaviors and so forth. And really? my my mom reached out to our doctor, who'd been my doctor since I was two. Yeah. And she said, is she on drugs? And, and my mom said, I don't think so. <laughs> but that's what they thought. So right. they, they brought me in and I was 20 years old and my blood pressure was 210 over 120. 
Oh, wow. And my doctor discovered that I had a thyroid issue. Okay. My thyroid, I had Graves' disease. My thyroid was three times the size it was supposed to be by the time they discovered it. And that's what had caused me to to stop being able to concentrate. So that's why I wasn't oh, able to really? concentrate in school and get things, right. you know, and, and really accomplish anything in school at all. So... I ended up having surgery. I ended up having emergency surgery, which was a story we won't go into, but I had emergency surgery and a few months later I went back to school. I had to because I had basically failed out of college, I had to go back to a junior college for a semester. Got straight A's, came back to BYU, got, you know, A's and B's and right. and um, but so I didn't finish my difference. degree because of because of my illness and then shortly after that I married my high school sweetheart who I didn't mention in my um in my high school years right. but we had started dating when we were 16 and okay and he had um he had gone on a service mission and came back and we got married and and then that's when my college career basically ended as I went to work full-time and full-time and mm-hmm. married and yep and did he come out to Utah as well with yes. you at that time as yes. well? Okay. Yeah, we were both we were both out here at, at BYU, and okay. then we that after he graduated, we went back to Florida, and we moved back to Florida, and okay. and that's where our three children were born. Were in, okay. in Florida. Mm-hmm. Right on. Yeah. So you're out of Florida, and at this after so you have three kids at this point. How old are you? I am After 26. 26. 26. Okay. And this is just about the time that my brother was not doing well. Was he this was, one of the twins? This is one of the twins. Okay. Right. So I have one sister and then my two brothers. And and my one of my twin brothers, well, he's not my twin, one of my brothers, right. he was out here in Salt Lake okay. working as for a publishing company. And he had gotten married and they had one baby and... He just wasn't doing well. He'd had some issues before. He actually had, he he was struggling. Uh-huh. He was struggling with depression. We just didn't realize how serious it was because he was so far away from us um, at that point. And we were all living in Florida. The family was all living in Florida. And right. he's out in Salt Lake City. So no one really knew what was going on for yeah. sure. Yeah. And then there was a, a suicide attempt. And so my my mom and my dad were out here for a while, but my mom was out here for quite a while helping him. And they had sought some treatment for him, outpatient treatment and so forth. And unfortunately, once the once the time had, had passed that where they mm-hmm. were watching him closely and, right. and really being there with him, he attempted suicide again. And unfortunately he was successful this time okay. and, and he passed away at 22. He was almost 23. And, um, okay. and so I immediately got on a flight and, and came out here to Salt Lake for a funeral, unfortunately. So it was yeah. pretty devastating. So let's ask, talk about that for a minute. I mean, obviously very devastating for the entire family and those who know, knew your brother. Um, obviously he was struggling, you know, it did, was there any indications of what exactly what was going on or was it still kind of an unknown? Like what, you know, to the family, I guess. You know, it's always easier to see on the backside of things, yeah. what's happening, what was happening, what the signs were and so forth. But this has been so many years ago and it was before it was more openly talked about. And because of that, well, and and, and just to back up a little bit, 
he was the fourth suicide in our family. Um, really? And it was one each generation. So oh, wow. my my dad's brother had okay. committed suicide when he was 17. My dad's father had died as an older man. Okay. Um, and then I found out doing some research that my, my grandfather's uncle had also committed suicide back in like the 1920s. Oh, really? So I think when all this came up with my brother and there was just a lot more, there's not as much as there is now, but a lot more information about mental health. And yeah. he was diagnosed as bipolar. And I think okay. it started answering some questions about what had been going on in the family all these years. Right. So, is that what led you to researching once this happened? You're like, what's going on here? And is that what led a, you to want to do that? A little bit. But okay. unfortunately, when my brother committed suicide, about the same time, my husband was going through some really difficult things. And he and life just kind of started falling apart almost immediately in our family. Um, and he was involved in a lot of different things. And I won't go into all of that. Sure, um, that's fine. Because, uh, yeah. but he, our, our marriage didn't survive. So we okay. tried to save it for a couple of years and, and went through counseling and some right. different things. And, and even at one point he was, he was experiencing some, he was gambling and his family thought that he was possibly addicted to gambling sure. and he ended up in a facility for okay. a few days and there were mm -hmm. some, a lot of other things going on, but yeah. anyway, the marriage didn't survive. And so I divorced, uh, we divorced just a couple years after my brother died. Okay. And so that became so much of my focus was trying to, trying to save my marriage, right. trying to save my family. We had three young children. So when we finally did separate and divorce, our children were six, four, and one. Oh, wow. So they were really young. So that's a, I mean, that's tough at any age, mm -hmm. but that's, you know, younger they are, the tougher it is. And then, you know, now you're the single mom with these kids. Obviously, there's probably help there on both sides, but, uh, but then also trying to deal with so did it keep you from actually really grieving around your brother or did you have a chance to do that? You know, I or? think I grieved both at the same time. Okay. I think it was very much a situation of grieving both at the same time. I, yeah. I it was, it was a difficult time and, and I did have so much help. I just, I had, yeah. my family lived in town. My ex-husband's family lived in town mm -hmm. and, and interestingly, a year later I remarried and his family all lived in town, so I was still working full time, oh, and okay. everyone was helping. And so we just had lots of family around helping. Yeah, yeah. And my ex-husband left the country shortly after we separated, and okay. so he he just he left the country, so he okay. wasn't around. So you really were the single mom with a absolutely. Yeah, so yeah, <laughs> wow. Well, luckily you had all the help too. I mean, it's still difficult, but it's nice to know that you know that you had friends and probably family pitching in and. Yeah, there were there were so many miracles around that. It was it was really it was really amazing to watch all, all the miracles that happened. Just yeah. even where I was working and and the promotions that I got at this job where I mean it yeah, it was pretty remarkable right. what happened. It's so. like it was like so crystal clear too. I was so too. taken yeah. care of. I was right. very taken care of. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> it tears me up to think about that, uh, honestly. Yeah. Um, because I, I have this uh, philosophy and belief that life happens for us, Absolutely. even the difficult things. Because like you said, we can always look back and go, wow, look at this. 
you know, this happened and this happened and this led to this and then th- this led to this. And so to hear you say that, it doesn't surprise me one bit, yeah. actually. And and I knew it when it was happening. I, I actually had gotten a couple of promotions at the, at the job that I was at and they ended up sending me to Las Vegas to research some changes that were happening. We were a durable medical equipment company and so okay. we provided durable medical equipment for nursing homes oh, okay. for nursing home patients so we were our payments were mostly coming from medicare anyway so they sent me to las vegas to figure out how to get paid oh, okay. and i was pretty young and <laughs> uh-huh. pretty inexperienced and it felt like a huge weight the first time i was traveling on my own i didn't even have my own credit card because my divorce had just happened and i had basically lost a lot of my the financial right that i had before and so Anyway, it was just it was just one miracle after another. I went out to Las Vegas. I was able to find the answers that they were looking for. Right. Able to come back and and deliver that. And wow. I just I I really saw it even at the time. But of course, looking back, it's even more obvious. Wow, yeah. that's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Um, you know, just a little bit more about losing your brother. I mean, how did the family deal with it as a whole? I mean, like your parents and your other siblings. It was really really hard I I think it was as a parent it's just it's so much different than it is as a sibling and and I know that right more now than I ever did before but it was really difficult and my parents have differing religious beliefs my mother has has always had a lot of faith and and she Mm -hmm. continues to my dad never had that type of background and never experienced that so I think it was I don't think he even knew what to do right you know or how to and ultimately my parents divorced a a few years later um but it was um Mm. it was really difficult it was really difficult and I was living in the same town with my mom and dad and at the time I think I was the only one living there um that was actually in town and so it was it was hard to to watch yeah and then, of course, my brother, who's who's um, my brother John, was the one that passed away. My brother James, who was his twin, was particularly difficult for him to right, come yeah. to terms with. Yeah, I can imagine losing your twin. Mm-hmm. You know, because usually twins are really close their whole lives, and they were so yeah. close, and they were yeah. they were so fun together because both of them have great sense of humor, uh-huh. and so they would bounce off of each other right. and yeah. I still miss that to this day. Oh yeah, I can imagine. Wow. Well thanks for sharing that and be willing to share with our listeners that and you know, a lot of our the listeners and the followers that I have have been through similar things and so I think it's good for them to kind of hear it, you know, again. You know, and, and as I and I'm gonna be talking about what happened with my kids, but as I look back and I see the kind of support that I received compared to I think my mom just felt really lonely. Yeah. Uh, it, and especially during that time, the stigma was even greater. Yeah. And, and I, and I think as grievers, we, we do that to ourselves too. Like we, right. we pull back and then we also feel like people kind of pull away cause they don't know what to do, how to act, what to say. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. It's, difficult. it's like, yeah. Cause it's almost like no words can maybe do anything. And so that's why people kind of go, what do you, I even say? Exactly. Cause it's not going to mean anything really. Exactly. But, uh, but it's, it is nice to know people are there that, that care and that kind of thing. Well, um, let's jump ahead a little bit here then. I mean, you know, 
because I want to get into what happened to you. You lost two children and maybe kind of, you know, share with us up to that point and, and then, and then go through that if you're okay with that. Yeah, absolutely. So our, so I had three children from my first marriage and, and like I said, we divorced and I remarried uh, a year later to a wonderful man who was a wonderful father to, to my three children. Right. And, and then we had three more children. Three more. Okay. And, um, we had moved away from Florida. Our two youngest were born actually in the Dallas area and then, okay. then we moved to Houston and so we were living in Houston and, um, they, my, my family was still in Florida. Um, my husband's family was living in North Carolina. His parents were living in North Carolina. Okay. And so we, we often would just jump in the car. When you have that many kids, you don't fly <laughs> anywhere. You, yeah, you jump in the car and you just like, you make it work. You put the cooler in the car and you just go. <laughs> and so we'd done that a ton. Right. And on Mother's Day weekend, it was Mother's Day 2007, I had my three youngest children with me and we were making a cross-country trip like we'd done before. Yeah. And and we were um, traveling to North Carolina to visit my husband's parents. Okay. And we got to the, and we were having a great trip. Like it was, my my son was eight, David, and Carrie was 10 okay. at the time. And James was 12. So it was the three of three of them and, and myself. And we were traveling across the country. We got to the border of Alabama and Mississippi on Highway 20. And suddenly... I woke up like I did not even remember even being tired, but all of a sudden I'm driving the car and I'm waking up and I find myself in the median Wow! on the highway. Yeah. And as soon as I tried to drive back up onto the highway, Mm -hmm. the car started rolling Mm. and it rolled and it rolled and it rolled. I don't even know how many times it rolled. We were driving in a, a, um, SUV and the car just started rolling and we finally came to a stop upright and I could hear my 12 year old son who was sitting next to me crying, but I couldn't hear Carrie and David who had been in the back seat. In In fact, the last thing I remember Carrie saying to me was mom, I love you. Happy mother's day. Really? Yeah. And then her brother was bugging her. So she'd moved over and put the seatbelt on and the on the seat that was further away from him. <laughs> right. <laughs> and um, unfortunately, those were the days when even when kids weren't wearing boosters or, right. you know, car seats sure. at eight and 10. Right. They were, you know, Carrie was a um, was a tall girl. So she was uh, anyway, I, I didn't hear them. I didn't hear them when the car stopped. And I actually lost my eyesight as the car was rolling. I think I must have hit my head or something right. and I couldn't see right away but i could hear james and i was calling for carrie and david and i couldn't hear them so you can remember rolling oh yeah wow yeah yeah i just i just don't know how many times it rolled and we ended up on the other side of the highway and my eyesight started to come back and then i can see all the shattered glass right and i see people are starting to gather in this this field on the side of the highway and my kids Carrie and David had been thrown from the car. It's when that, when I realized that they'd been thrown from the car cause I couldn't hear them. And I wow. saw, and it was so far off. It's, it's, it's like a dream. It's like hard to even yeah. comprehend, but I could see them off. I mean, they had to have been 30 feet away or more wow. um, from the car, from where we landed. 
a gentleman walked up and um, just these really good people. Yeah. He walked up and and immediately I was like, I need a phone. I need to call my husband. And I called Ron, who was so far away from us in Texas, and said, yeah. We've been in an accident. Wow. And I don't know if Carrie and David are going to make it. And uh, we um, ambulances oh. started showing up, and I, yeah. I was. I was so, I felt paralyzed. I was sitting in the car, just kind of feeling paralyzed. I wasn't. I mean, I was, right. I was okay, but, but physically, emotionally, and in every way, oh, sure. I just felt like I couldn't move. I couldn't do right. anything. Um, the sad part is, is that when we stopped rolling, and I heard my son next to me, and I'm calling for Carrie and Dave, and I didn't hear them, and I started yelling, I killed my children, I killed my children. Oh, wow. I was like so upset, obviously. Yeah, yeah right. And, um, and to this day, I just feel so sad that my son was sitting in the car listening to that. It had to have been so traumatic for him in yeah. addition to everything else. But, right, to, but hear, to hear you that anguish. in that state of mind saying yeah. those things. And, yeah. Yeah, wow. Yeah. So the ambulance shows up, and they, they actually took Carrie and David to a hospital in Alabama, and they took James and I to a hospital in Mississippi. And it was Mother's Day, and James' leg was he severely broken, and he needed emergency surgery. And um, amazingly, the doctor that was – I remember hearing an intern, or my husband told me that he heard the intern. Uh-huh. It's all kind of fuzzy, but right. – um, saying that he couldn't believe that Dr. Rush, it was actually Rush Memorial Hospital. Dr. Rush was there. Really? He was the one that had pioneered the procedure that my son needed. I mean, it was wow, amazing. Well, I was going to ask, why did they take you to separate hospitals? But maybe it was for that very reason. I mean, what a miracle that was. Yeah, I don't, I don't totally know that, why, except yeah. for that. I think that they were smaller, okay, uh, country hospitals, possibly, and maybe Probably. they just couldn't handle right. for emergency. Um, That's, yeah, that makes sense. Arrivals, yeah. so, sure. but they put me on a striker board, you know, and I was sitting on a striker board for hours, laying in the hospital, not knowing if Carrie and David were dead oh, wow. or alive. Oh my goodness. I, I knew, though, like, you know, I mean, I, my heart knew that they probably didn't make it. Yeah, because you just, yeah, you knew. And none of the hospital staff would, would, would tell, you. tell me. Yeah. And um, my, we were so far away from everything, but I did have an aunt and uncle that lived just a few hours south of, of where we were. And so they drove up. And so they were the ones that, that had to come in and tell me that, that they didn't make it. Wow. Yeah. At this point, had your husband made it there yet? No. Or you're st- so you hear the news, you're still by yourself laying down. Yeah, with my oh aunt my and uncle, goodness. Wow. who I'm very close to. So I can't that even was, imagine that. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Yeah, and Ron was finally able to, to make it there. And um, amazingly, the hospital had had us in a room. So they, they put my son, James, and I in the same hospital room. Okay. So when he was recovering from his surgery, I had some... Um, shoulder injuries and my wrist was broken and some different things but mm-hmm. they put us in the same hospital room and then the hospital room had like a lobby that was attached to it like an, another room oh, really? that was attached to it uh-huh. 
And that's where all of our family and friends gathered. So I don't even remember how many people were there, but there was a ton of people, wow. a lot of family and friends, uh, an aunt that flew in from, from Salt Lake City, uh, my aunt and uncle that had come up from, from where they lived in Mississippi, and mm-hmm. my mom and dad, my sister, um, my sister, my mom were living in Nashville, so they drove down. Right. Um, so just a ton, friends, ton of, yeah. friends flew in from Houston to support us. And um, wow. so we held vigil there. Wow. Yeah. Unbelievable. I I can't even imagine that. I mean, you know, I have four kids of my own and I can't, I, I wish I could say, I understand what you went through, but I don't. Well, I I didn't understand it until I was there. Yeah. 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 Well, so the aftermath of that, I mean, let's talk a little bit about how did you, you know, how did you start moving forward at that point? I mean, I mean, you you have to, because you have other kids and you're trying to so talk about that just a little bit, and then I want to get into what you're doing now and how this led to what you're doing today and how you're giving back and helping other people, which is quite remarkable in itself. Yeah. Yeah, so we, we made our way back for, to Houston for the for the funeral, and, um, you know, in some ways I felt almost lucky that I was physically injured because it gave me a little more space to take care of myself mm. and to just... Okay lay low a little bit, but I, gotcha. I suffered from PTSD for about three years. Okay. Um, after that, I was, it was really difficult for me to drive a car at all for the first few months. And then slowly I started driving the car for short Difficult trips. in the sense of you didn't want to get in a car I just, because of the traumatic yeah. part of it. Gotcha. Oh, yeah. It was, yeah. it was bad. Like I, I would just almost have a panic attack, you yeah. know, getting in a car, even riding with somebody was difficult. Um, I can imagine. So th- that was, that was, that was really hard. And, and the PTSD took, I ended up going to, um, a therapist for a couple of years trying okay. to overcome the PTSD. But in the middle of all that, my depression got really bad. In fact, about three weeks after the accident, my husband was, was really insistent that we all go see somebody so he took us to this um therapist and we all Mm -hmm. saw him for you know one time right yeah (laughs) for whatever that's worth right and and there were some good things that came out of that like one of the things that he told us was you know don't be surprised if you have crazy thoughts um during this time because your brain is just trying to make sense of everything yeah right but unfortunately the thing that he said that i latched on to that didn't end up being very helpful was happiness is a choice and you get to choose whether or not you're happy. Mm-hmm. And so for the first little while, like I was patient with myself, right. but six months in a year in, I started becoming really impatient with myself and I'm not choosing happiness. So then on top of everything else, I was beating myself up and I was trying to make sense of that. Like, how do I, how do I choose happiness right now? I don't even know how to do that. And, right. and it's just, it, you just find yourself in such a weird place and, and I just became, my whole identity was wrapped around, I'm the mother who lost two children, you oh, know, and that's yeah. who I became right. um, for that time. And I just could not f- wrap my head around how to choose happiness. And then I just spiraled into this thing with, I don't, I don't know how to do this. I can't do this. And the depression got really, really bad Yeah. for a while. Yeah, there. I would imagine what, you know, we call that cognitive dissonance where you're like, I'm, I'm supposed to be choosing happiness, but why do I feel so depressed? And then it's like, what's wrong with me kind of thing. And so, yeah, I could see why that was such a tug of war for you because you hadn't even processed through all of that traumatic event that you went through. No. I mean, 
And anyone listening to this would go, well, yeah, go, losing two children in the way that it happened. I mean, yeah, anyone can understand. You can't just all of a sudden, I'm going to be happy today, this very second. You've got to actually process through the hurt. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do that, then you're, you're, you know, again, I can see why you were struggling. Yeah, and, and not to mention the fact that my feelings about myself were just off the wall awful. Right. <laughs> because I was the one driving the car. Why didn't I know that I was tired? Why did I choose to go on this trip the way that I did? Why, yeah. why, 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 why? You know, all those questions come up and and I beat myself up terribly over that. And thank goodness for my husband who is was just wonderful. I mean, today I know that our marriage wouldn't have lasted if it hadn't been for him and his patience and his ability to to just be there and yeah. to just sit through all of that and just I'm just I I'm just amazed I'm amazed that that he was um wow. he was able to do that and never ever ever did I hear him say anything that that even hinted that he blamed me right which wow. is remarkable because I don't know that I would have been done the same and I, yeah. I wonder sometimes if that's why I was the one driving the car is because yeah. he was the one that was willing to be forgiving wow yeah what a blessing for you and your mm-hmm. and your family. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Um, well, thank you for sharing that. I mean, I it's just what a you know gut wrencher to hear this, and you know. But I think what's even re- more remarkable is how you've gotten past this. I mean, I know I'm sure you're still dealing with it on uh, on certain levels for sure, but now you're doing something to give back. Um, you have a podcast that you do. It's called Build a Life After Loss. Is mm-hmm. that correct? Yes. And then you also do, is it a website and a blog around the grief, around grieving and helping people get past that kind of thing? Yes, yes. So I, I have a website, buildalifeafterloss.com. We're okay. also on Facebook by the same name. And, Great. Um, and I do, the podcast is specifically for mothers who have lost children, although I hear from people all the time that they listen to it, you know, for yeah, sure. other losses. But um, it's, it's, you know, my my journey when, when my therapist finally said, you're good, I was like, I don't feel good. <laughs> you know. And I spent the next right. like two years trying to come up with another <laughs> symptom or another yeah. illness Something's that I could go back and see this therapist and, you know, try to figure out what I'm, what am I supposed to do next? And so, right. um, that was kind of my, my thoughts when I, when I started to get trained as a grief recovery specialist, as a life coach, is that, you know, how do we go from here to there? You know, and, and I think that our support needs to be equal to our challenge. And and the other thing that I noticed I like that. as I started looking at things was that a lot of the messages to mothers who have lost children specifically is your life is over. You're always going to be grieving your child. It's every day is going to be painful. Every breath is painful. And right. and unfortunately, that's the message that we're getting. Right. Yeah. And yes, that's the way it is at the beginning for sure. Yeah, right. And I think that's why a lot of times those messages are passed around is because people put those messages out when they're at the beginning of their grief and totally understandable. That's the way it feels. It feels like your life is over. But I think one of the things that really helped me and, and I'm hoping to be that person for other people is that I had gone through horrible losses before, not as great as this and not as devastating, but I had gone through losses before and I knew that how I felt then did not 
determine how I felt later. Right. And so I think, but I do like you have this sign on your wall right now that says mindset is everything. So if as a mother who has had a child die, thinks that they're never going to get over, you know, not over, I don't, the terminology is, is lacking there, but you know, the, if we think that we're always going to be in deep grief, then anytime we feel any type of happiness, anytime we feel any type of joy, we push it away because our thought pattern is, yeah. oh, I must not love my child enough right. because I'm supposed to be in grief the rest of my life. Yeah, and I've even heard people say, I don't deserve that. Right. Like, well, that feels so good. I'm happy. I shouldn't be happy. I should be sad still. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've heard, you know, other people who have been through similar things have said that as well where, you know, I just don't feel like I deserve it. It's so uncomfortable to be happy. I'm just going to sit here in my, because this is what it's going to be like for the rest of my life. And I'm glad you're pointing that out because I know that that's just not the case. You know, like you said in the beginning, for sure, you're going to go through that 100%. But to, to know that you can get past that and not have to be grieving every single day for the rest of your life. So let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, because I think that what we want to be able to do is celebrate our children. Right. And we want to remember the happy memories. We want to be able to to look back. And uh, we, we still to this day love telling David stories because my David was a character. Right. You know, we <laughs> we homeschooled for and oh, I didn't okay. even bring that up, but we homeschooled for for 15 years. And so oh, wow. when um, when the, the kids passed away, like, you know, we were there together every single day. I taught them. And um, so our lives changed like dramatically overnight. Our two oldest daughters went off to college right after, um, our, our daughter, our second oldest was, was just graduating like that month. Right. And so she went off to college. And so we went from a family of eight at home to having four at home. And it was just so different. But, but I, when we were, I mean, I'll just give you a classic David story. We're all sitting around the dining room table when he was like three or four, um, doing schoolwork and he was upstairs playing. And next thing we know, <laughs> my daughter, Carrie looks up and says, um, there's water dripping from the chandelier. So, I mean, <laughs> it was just like that all the time with him. There was, he was into something. He was smashing right. banana on somebody's bed or he was <laughs> trying to climb right. up to the second story window or yeah. whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> he, he was a character and sure. Sure. And, um, and you know, we want to be able to, to, ex- to still enjoy those memories. Right. And and if we if our our all of our memories are around that last moment or are around mm-hmm. that last thing that happened or what ifs and whys, certainly we have to come to terms with those at the beginning. Right. right. But over time we do come we can come to terms with those things. Yeah. We might not have all the answers. I still don't have all the answers. Right. But I've, I've come to terms with it and I've yeah. adjusted to the new reality and now we can look back on with fondness. And and if our children were sitting in the room with us right now, what would they tell us? Right. You know, they would say, live your life, enjoy wow. your life. I love that, Julie. I love that. And here's why I love that because I, I work with a lot of clients who have lost loved ones and this and that. And I'll say the same thing. If, if they're sitting in the room right now, would they want you to be happy or sad? And and without fail, they all say, they'd want me to be happy. And I'm like, then let's honor them by giving them what they want. 
now at this point, now that you've grieved through it. And yeah. so it, it just it hits me so hard when you say that. I probably got it from you. I don't know. <laughs> I, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I probably got it from you. <laughs> but I just, you know, I just think let's wow. let's honor our children yeah. in a way. And certainly we're going to feel that sadness and, yeah. and it's going to take time. Yeah. Um, but time, and that's another thing that, that, that we hear in society that's not necessarily true and is that time heals all wounds. It's what we do with the time yeah, that heals the point. wounds. It's, it's what we do point. during that time. I love that. Wow, yeah. that's that's a good way of looking at it for sure. Well, so when did you decide after, I mean, after going through all of this, when you're like, okay, I'm, I'm at a point now where I actually want to give back. I want to help others who have gone through this. What did Was it a gradual thing or did you all of a sudden wake up one day and go, you know what? I want to start making a difference in this area of grieving and helping others get past it. Yeah. So I had I had found some things that had helped me in my mm-hmm. journey and um in my first couple episodes of the podcast I talk about like these 10 things that I felt like really helped me kind okay. of move forward. I like that. But um but what happened was in 2012 I met a, met a gentleman much like yourself who had gone through some difficult things and now was helping other people and uh-huh. and he learned about my story. We were at a lunch okay. uh, with a with a handful of other people and he learned about my story and afterwards he walked up to me and he looked me in the eye and he said you're supposed to do something with this. Mm. And it like went straight to my heart and and wow. I'd had inklings that about sure. things but when he said that it was like there was no denying that it was right. true. Yeah. And so I kind of went amazing. on a search and I, I actually enrolled to go back to college to get okay. a degree in, yeah. in psychology and, and therapy. And, and I, it just did not feel right. And so I ended up, um, not doing that. And I had a couple other experiences similar to that gentleman and, and, and things just kind of started to take form and, right. Yeah, so I, I went and I, I got certified as a grief recovery specialist, which I right highly recommend to people. It's a sure. it's an action plan. Right. You know, it deals with the with the emotion, not not just the intellectual, which gotcha. is so often what we hear. Right. So. Right. Well, that's amazing. I, I you know, I, I think it's amazing what you're doing and you know, as 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 I'm listening to your story and we can go all the way back to, you know, even when you lost your brother and, you know, and, and all of those trials and going through a divorce and all this stuff and how it's almost kind of like prepared you to be in a position now to be able to sit across from someone and go, I get what you're going through. Yeah. And here's what I've done. And I think if you'll try these things, it'll be helpful because I'm doing it myself. Right. You know, right. it's kind of, rem- and that's why I always think can, life can happen for us in that way. Absolutely. And I, and I look at, every experience I have have had in my life, not just my losses, but but other experiences that I've had that have all kind of come together to help me with this. Um, just even the technology <laughs> of doing a podcast. But, sure. You know, I've, yeah. Anyway, so it's just Very like cool. everything feels like it's it's come together for this moment and for, for doing this. And, you know, I work with, uh, I do support groups locally in the Salt Lake okay. area for mm-hmm. grief recovery. It's not just for mothers who have lost children. Like the Facebook page is, is just universal and, sure. and okay. so forth. So Very yeah. cool. Yeah. Very cool. Well, if you could... Uh, give some advice to someone who's going to hear this and is listening to this right now, who's going through a really difficult time. They're grieving. They've lost a loved one. What's some advice that you could give them and in what direction could you point them in at this moment if they're feeling lost and not sure where to go? Yeah. Excellent. 
Well, I love the name of your podcast, Belief um, Cast, because that is what I would tell people is to really think about like, what do they believe? Um, if they can, if they can wrap their head around believing that, that there is recovery available, that makes a huge difference just right right there. Because if we're, if we open our mind to recovery, if we open our mind to healing, then the resources will, will appear. They will, they will be there. We will notice them. If, um, if we close our mind off to the idea of, of healing, then those resources might be right in front of us and we're never even going to see them. We're never even going to notice them. So it all kind of starts with what is our thinking? And that's a lot of what I do with my clients is, is help them with their thought process. Like what, what are we thinking about this and, and how can we make a couple of adjustments so that, you know, we can open our mind and our heart to healing. Very cool, man. Very well said. Very well said. Well, if someone wanted to reach out to you and they wanted to, you know, talk to you more or get more information about what you do, what would be the best way for them to do that? Well, they can email me at julie at buildalifeafterloss.com. Okay. I know it's long. Buildalifeafterloss.com. So julie, julie at buildalifeafterloss.com. Great. Um, that's probably the the best way to get a hold of me. But if you go on the Facebook page, you message okay. me there as well. And I answer pretty quickly there as right well. On. So. Yeah, and then you also have the website buildalifeafterloss.com. Mm-hmm. Build yes. Great. Yes. So check that out as well and yes. get more information on what you do. And I've checked it out. It's a, it's a great website, and I really admire what you're doing and how you've handled all of this. Um, I think if people could see that even though all you've been through and here you are, I mean, you, when you walked in, you're, you're smiling, you're glowing, you have a great countenance about you. <laughs> Thank you're you. very warm, um, safe. And uh, it just shows that you, I mean, I get the feeling that you truly are uh, healed in the sense that, you know, you are enjoying happiness now in your life, despite what you've been through. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah very I've got cool. nine grandchildren now too. So oh, right helps. on. That helps. <laughs> yes. I've got one. So I'm, I'm trying to catch up with you eventually. But, uh, but I can't thank you enough for being willing to come share your story. It was really inspiring and uh, I love what you do. I'm so glad you reached out and uh, I hope... Uh, that you know that I guarantee you, I, and I, I know I can't prove this, but you're going to help several people because of this story on this podcast today. And thank I, you, I, I can't thank you enough. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I, I, I love what you do. And Thanks. I, yeah, thank you. You bet. Thank you. Well, there you go, listeners. Like I said, another amazing story from another amazing woman, uh, Julie Clough. And, uh, I just, um, want to thank you listeners for all your support. Continue sharing this with people, you know, And uh, I can't thank you enough for allowing uh, this to hit the airways in such a way that it's doing. And again, Veracity Networks, thank you for your sponsorship. And and Julie, once again, thanks for your time today. Thanks, everybody.